audience, this is Brandon with episode 58 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, the world's greatest podcast about the world's greatest heroes. Oh, I still have my intro from last week, so Josh is no longer <laughs> resting up. He is back. Uh, hey, so everybody. I've got, uh, yes, he, he had a fierce battle with... Uh, some illness, but he's he's back and uh, and I'm ready to review some books. So yep. don't worry, we've got all our co-hosts here today. Of course, like I mentioned, Josh. Hello, humans. Don't mess with the COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Rob. I am not gluten free. Uh, <laughs> that is good to hear. This week we'll be covering Infinite Frontier number five. Um, are we doing the Batman Superman annual? Uh, yeah, we can go ahead and do that. All right. Batman Superman Annual 2021, Wonder Girl number three, Batman Fear State Alpha number one, Midnighter Annual number one, Teen Titans Academy number six, and the Aquaman 80th 100-page Super Spectacular. And, of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make... the dump list but before we get going with the show i just want to say thank you to all of our patreon supporters who help out with a dollar a month and thank you listeners too like download and share episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content you can get access to our patreon and the rest of the not a robot podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com so with that out of the way let's get into some news guys what's new with you this week I'm not dying. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, We're all very happy to hear that. Yeah, that's about it, man. It felt like it for a little bit, but I, I spent my time reading comp books and, and uh, binge-watching Face Off, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and uh, I found I stumbled across a, a new book. It's a, it's a number one. There's only one issue out. It's from Mark Russell and uh, Diedo, Diodato Jr., mm-hmm. um, it's called not all Ro- not all robots, and you know, <laughs> besides the name, this looks like it's going to be really good. Uh, it's about a futuristic dystopian society where roots uh, robots, excuse me, provide everything for humans, uh, do all of the work, all of the labor, uh, everything. And now there's a whole robot versus human argument about robots wanting to take over everything and maybe even get rid of humans. And it's 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 a pretty cool, interesting concept, the way that they're framing it, and the art is awesome. So mm-hmm. go check it out, man. AWA Upshot. So it's 18 plus only. <laughs> yes. Looks really good. It is pretty good. Oh, and so was Static, by the way. Static was really good this week. Gotta yeah, I got to actually to read that still. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, just uh, it's it's been a really solid series so far. Yes, it has. Yeah, I'm um, liking that. Also, to bring up other books, first off, you know Tom Taylor, everybody's favorite DC writer, uh-huh. possibly. Uh, is also possibly. working at Marvel. <laughs> doing dark ages that he's been teasing for two years this long-awaited story that he has been shrouded in secrecy but the the power has gone out across the entire world and the heroes are left stranded and the entire population basically is living the end of the world but now we finally see why and how and 
it's Tom Taylor, so you find out who dies as well because people do die. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was, it was I, I thought it was really good. I didn't, I wasn't aware of it until just during the summer. I didn't realize there was a tease two years ago. There was, it. yeah. It's um, I, I, God, it's been so long. I, I literally have forgotten when it was originally announced, but. Uh, you know, they were doing a lot of teaser images and that sort of thing, and then um, there was supposed to be the Free Comic Book Day issue that came out, but obviously that got delayed with the pandemic. Um, and then when that issue finally came out, uh, at that point they still hadn't even announced when the series was actually going to start. So um, like, uh, like Rob said, the series has been in... Uh, in wait for for a very long time, but uh, I was I was I also got a chance to read it, and I was definitely pretty satisfied mm -hmm. uh, with the delivery. Um, yeah. And it, uh, it yes, it is definitely uh, a, a Tom Taylor book because <laughs> characters get killed off like halfway through. Uh, it wouldn't I, I feel like a Tom Taylor book without it, would it? No, no, certainly not one like this. Um, and. I, I was surprised. I, I was honestly expecting it to just kind of be another riff on Deceased, but um, it, it was not. It was it was definitely its own thing, and I really appreciated that. So I definitely say check it out. It's only six issues. It should be a, a fun ride. Yeah, not that I'm like you know toting him, touting him. Excuse me, too much. Uh, he he's one of my favorite creators, but I just I think that. I, I never would expect him to put out two identical stories. You know, it just doesn't seem like his kind of style. Yeah, yeah I figured it had to be, you know, something a little different. Um, but I just, I think going in, I saw that and I was like, oh, you know, alternate universe, that sort of thing. It's probably just, it's going to be a, in a similar vein, you know, post-apocalyptic type of thing. Yeah. 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 I can see where you're getting that from. I just, I don't know. I guess I got more confidence in him. I'm glad to hear that that confidence is placed well. <laughs> yes, it, uh, it, it was not that, which was which was nice. Um, and it was something that I thought was, uh, I mean, we've seen end of the world stories before. That's certainly not unique, but it, it just it wasn't a, a cut and paste, you know, DC's but for Marvel. Right. It was definitely had a unique end of the world in a way. The world's not complete completely over yeah. but it's it's basically over yeah yeah um getting there anyway yeah yeah something like that <laughs> yeah at least with the, yeah. the way the first issue ended we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah definitely that's uh definitely an interesting cliffhanger yeah uh, no, uh, damn it i'm gonna have to go check this out y'all are gonna make me read a marvel book that isn't moon knight no, it's, uh, it's yeah. worth your time. Honestly, if, yeah. if, you, if and, you liked Injustice and DCs, I definitely recommend this. Yes, yeah, it's definitely for uh, for fans of those. Um, and obviously, it's not tied into any of the current stuff, so it really requires no knowledge, just mm -hmm. you know, general familiarity of uh, Marvel characters, I guess. Hey, speaking of which. Um, I've only seen the briefest of glimpses here, but since we're talking about Marvel and me actually being interested in it, have you guys got any uh, juicy bits that would convince me to pick up the Midnight Suns game that's coming out? Apart from the cast list? I, I don't know yeah. much about the game yet, to be honest with you. It looks like a pretty standard action adventure, probably in the 
not quite in the same vein as Ultimate Alliance, but mm. getting along that idea of like a four-player brawlout. Mm. But it's a beautiful-looking game, and I I don't know as much about Marvel as I do about DC, so I don't know if the villain is an existing character or an OC. But I think the playable character list is insane especially considering it's like a supernatural type game and some of the character choices are very interesting Who who's the villain I don't remember the name to be honest with you it wasn't the one I recognized though oh okay it would be cool if they were going up against the dark hold that would be awesome oh, that, yeah, that would be awesome probably be in there somewhere the dark hold's <laughs> really big right now oh yeah yeah right on I haven't read that stuff since the 90s, but, man, I gobbled it up back then. Oh, then you'll, <laughs> you'll love what the MCU's doing right now. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, video game-wise, though, I am waiting. I can't wait for fandom because I, I, I will yes. take anything about Suicide Squad or uh, Gotham Knights, man. Well, good news because we got a trailer, and I actually don't remember if it was in the trailer or if it was another tease I saw. But we're guaranteed to get some news about Gotham Knights around Fandom. Hell yes. Which it's been like a year and a half drought. It's about time. <laughs> right? Yeah, we haven't even uh, gotten any, you know, more gameplay footage or anything. Yeah. It's kind of we, crazy. We've only seen Tim Drake and Batgirl. We haven't even seen Nightwing and Red Hood. Arguably yeah. two characters everybody's excited for. <laughs> yeah, right. which, I mean, you know, I um, I wasn't, I wasn't paying... Uh, too close attention to E3 this year um, just because the virtual shows have been kind of lame but mm-hmm. right. I, I know that um, Gotham Knights didn't even have a feature or anything it was kind of weird the yeah. the WB gaming studio just, just didn't show up for some reason so I don't I, I don't know if that's a uh, something to be concerned about or, or what's going on but uh, hopefully we get some more um, really good footage at, uh, at Fandom Hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping not delays that lack of E3 content from any game that that studio is releasing was kind of worrisome. Yeah, and it just reminds me of uh, Ubisoft with Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time remake. Oh God! Oh, Don't God. say that. Oh my God! I really hope it doesn't get to that point. I I was yeah. so excited for that game, and it's still not got a release date for the fourth Bro. time. I, oh god i used to i would sit down in front of those games and if i had a free moment i would just sit there and play it until i beat it yeah. that was it like relax time was sit down and play prince of persia game especially sense of time oh, that's such a good game <laughs> such a good game but yeah i i don't think we're gonna have this, especially if they're announcing news for suicide squad and gotham knights at fandom it's a good sign that's probably a release date next year if not yeah. around Christmas. Hopefully, it would be smarter to do it next year, I think, just with the movie coming out. But yeah. I think it's up to them at this point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, we'll definitely see. And mm. speaking of movies, there's also going to be a lot of movie news. We're getting more looks at The Batman. I think we're getting a first look at The Flash movie. All kinds of rumors uh, swirling around that, man. Yeah, that movie's going to be huge. The, I, I've rival Spider-Man three. <laughs> I think so. I've I've read that Cavill could be coming back as Superman. Um, that he's definitely not. Uh, Bat uh, uh, 
Ben Affleck could be picking back up the cowl for several more cameo roles, or this could be his very last one. There's so many that are swirling around this Flash movie. I, I actually just read one the, on the way home today, a new rumor about the Flash. <laughs> I don't necessarily want to give away, because it might be major spoilers, but I'll, I'll let you guys know after if you want. Hmm. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, when you say Spider-Man 3, I assume you're talking about um, no way. No way home. Yeah, I, I yeah. was like, not yeah. the, <laughs> not the one from two thousand seven. I mean, I've, I've got my own a, opinions about that movie, but it's a <laughs> it's a hilarious movie, but it's not. Uh, a, I don't want to. I don't want to wait until after. Oh God, hilarious! Yeah, that's about it though. Um, I don't want to wait until after the podcast. What's the juicy bit of news, man? The rumor right, mills. Well, our listeners are going to find it on the internet. Let them hear it here first. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> just, you just give them a. T- if, a time yeah. code or something like skip yeah. over this part yeah, we're gonna give a jump ahead spoiler. 10 seconds so yeah. what i read is that the stunt double for harry lennox's martian manhunter was spotted on the flash set supposedly oh that would be cool so he might even be making an appearance which would make this the biggest dc movie since justice league probably bigger than justice league with all the damn characters that are going to be in it right I wonder how they're going to wrap up such a convoluted story in Warner Brothers' famous two-hour and 12-minute mark. Oh, with a like a shady cliffhanger that might get resolved in five years. Maybe. I tell you, the uh, the big three are uh, are are absent from the uh, the fandom poster that was put out. That's for sure. Yeah. No Wonder Woman. No Batman. No Superman. At least not. The, not not Henry Cavill not, Superman. Yeah, not those ones. Tyler Hoechlin. Who who Tyler Hoechlin does does do a good job of being Superman for especially for being on a CW show. Holy shit, he's he, it's it's really good. Yeah, I I still got to check it out. But everything I hear about it and every picture and and scene I see is just amazing. The quality looks insane. It's good. Yeah, I figured I'd just I'd catch up on it when the first season was over. I kind of I kind of just forgot about it after the second episode, but probably catch up at some point. You need to check out Titans too. I'm loving this season. I know it's I know it'll never happen, yeah. but <laughs> and I don't know about that. I, I saw that Red Hood costume. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> not Jensen Ackles made a better one in his closet. <laughs> Yeah, I was like well, Jensen yeah. Ackles. Jensen Ackles could still be Red Hood in he my could. mind, yeah. honestly. And I, and I've said that to so many people because I, I wasn't, I didn't watch a ton of Supernatural, but I had a friend who was really into Supernatural. She was just like, ah, oh, but she's too, you know, he's too old to be Jason. I was just like, no, you can you can figure it out. Digitally de-age him. I don't care. Yeah, like, he was right. just such a great voice for that movie. Okay, so here's the thing. One of the other rumors that I'm hearing about. Um, swirling around that Flash movie is that going forward, Michael Keaton will remain the DCEU Batman. So if he's going to be older, then all of his sidekicks would be too. There we go. Jensen Ackles, Jason Todd, let's go. Although I don't know. I I don't know that the the 89 Batman would be the one to have a a Robin like Jason Todd. It's kind of hard to see. He's a little too weird. I, I, I like those movies, I do, but they are they're very stylized. They are. Uh, That's very... true, but that doesn't mean we're not going to get some character evolution to set it apart from the fact that it was made in 1989. You know? Yeah, it's just it, it would. It's kind of hard for me to picture that version of Batman running around with the with the Robin, even though I guess there was 
supposedly a, a like a rumor or something. Oh no! Yeah, it was definitely going to happen. Yeah, with like Damon Wayans or something. Uh, I, I Marlon Marlon Wayans. Mar- Mar- Marlon Wayans. Yeah. Yeah. There was just not anyway. enough time for the footage. Yeah. Speaking of that, though, did you guys check out the Batman '89 comic that came out a couple weeks back? I did not. I did. But I did read the Superman '78 comic, which was oh, which was really really that. good. Yeah, no, it was um, Rob Vendetti did a great job with the digital first Superman series that was coming out during the pandemic, um, and Wilfredo Torres, who's like incredible. Um, just I, I guess they just brought them together to do a. a an unofficial sequel to Superman 3 um, because they never really got a chance to do Brainiac and so this is them finally getting to do the Brainiac story in the yeah. Superman Christopher Reeves universe and it's, it's pretty cool so I wish they could just kind of like skirt around 3 yeah. <laughs> maybe just pretend it never existed at all yeah that was horrible let's be honest <laughs> yeah no I think uh, after 2 it, it just it, it really uh <laughs> it really fell yeah. off, and I, I don't even think I've ever finished um, Quest for Peace. That's just that's a, Shh, that's we a, don't we don't even need to talk a about tough for movie. <laughs> Quest for what? That's 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 what? tough Superman spelled. Witch. Yeah, that's that's tough spelled T U F F. Yeah, it is. I don't, there was never a fourth Superman movie. What the hell are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> it was starring Brandon Routh. It was called. Tim oh God! Oh, there, oh, there, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's like me with um, with cursed child. I just like I just pretend it did not happen. <laughs> right it's there, you go. For my mind, it's, uh, uh. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. All right, man. That's movies and video games. What else we got? Uh, comics. You guys want to do some of those? Probably should. Probably yeah, should. Comic book podcast after all. <laughs> yeah. That's what all we right. keep telling ourselves anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, to kick it off this week, we will be starting with our uh, continuing saga uh, within the big DC cosmic event of, I, I would say the summer, but the summer's over at this point. Uh, so I guess it was technically supposed to be the entire summer, but it's not. Anyway, it's Infinite Frontier, number five, the penultimate issue. You guys know what it is. This is of course, brought to us by Joshua Williamson with art from Paul Pelletier, Jesus Marino, and Tom Berenick. Inks from Norm Ratmond. Oh, no. Inks from Norm Ratmond, Raul Fernandez, and Tom Berenick. Colors from Hi-Fi and letters from Tom Napolitano. So, in times past, I have given you guys kind of like a, a three-act summary of Infinite Frontier, where it's just three different sets of characters kind of doing their own thing but this is the issue where it all converges and everything goes crazy but we uh we finally have a sense of where things are, are all leading towards and that is of course to dark side because where else could they lead so after a brief introduction with the psycho pirate detailing the origin of the injustice incarnate we cut to earth omega where Director Bones has somehow reverted to his old body due to the effects of the multiverse and other energies on Earth Omega. After brief skirmishes with after brief skirmishes with Infinity Incorporated, Alan Scott, and of course Obsidian, the rest of them realize what is happening to Barry Allen and he is being forced to run. They also have a brief reunion with Roy Harper, the new Black Lantern, who is still confused as to what his Black Lantern ring is actually doing and how it sought out Roy. 
Cameron Chase also has a chance to meet Extract, a woman who reveals herself to be none other than an alternate version of Cameron Chase, the original Earth 2 Cameron Chase. That was a clever twist. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, actually. Yeah, neither did I. Of course, all these machinations are revealed to be under the direct orders of the Psycho Pirate, who is working directly under Darkseid, hoping to create a new, separate, completely isolated multiverse where everyone does their own thing and no one interacts with anyone ever. And of course, you can't force something like that with having you can't force something like that without having your own supergroup do it. So Psycho Pirate naturally finds the time to summon his Injustice Incarnate, which we saw being built in the first part of the issue. They fight against Alan and the rest of the they fight against Alan and the rest of the Infinity Incorporated, <clears throat> and in particular, President Superman. Oh no, I skipped a part of it. They fight against Alan and the rest of the Infinity Incorporated while the Justice Incarnate show up to give some aid. In particular, President Superman attempts to free Barry Allen, who's being forced to run and generate energy, or Darkseid, where Machine Head reveals that he needs Barry Allen's power to summon some sort of cosmic device to give Darkseid the full power that he needs to keep the multiverse separate. It is then that Roy Harper decides to finally step in and do the right thing before he is interrupted by the Psycho Pirate who convinces him and reveals to him why the Black Lantern actually sought him out in the first place. Roy, who is willing to make the necessary sacrifice, decides to take his power and sacrifice himself for being captured fully by Darkseid. So I, I thought it was pretty cool. What did you guys think? Oh, man. Uh, well, I I enjoyed it. I liked it. But I, um, everything we got that we thought we were getting from this book, we got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it came with a whole lot of, you know, not, as far as surprises go, it came with nothing. It was definitely a setup issue to the finale, Darkseid making his way to Earth Omega. We really, we literally called Roy the Omega Lantern just the last time that we covered this. Um, Director Bones is a traitor. Machine Head is. I mean, none of this was like a surprise whatsoever. But even with us seeing all of this coming and it being pretty blatant and not woven very well in this issue, it's still red good. Um. I think that we got each little smaller detail worked in, but I'm starting to think that maybe this should have been eight or nine issues, probably eight, um, just to flesh this out, make it make it read a little better. But the action, the detail while there, it does, it feels a little rushed. And all of the artists, and there were so many, there 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 was a problem for me going back and forth on the art for me some was great others looked like average modern takes of 80s comics but uh but the cover was amazing um lastly i really dig the idea of justice incarnate and the jsa working together on on the same team i think it would be pretty cool if that stayed around overall it's nicely done but it could be better i think it's worthy of a 7.5 Nice. Yeah, I was feeling it's definitely not its strongest issue, but it was nice to see the story come together. You get all these different miniature stories and aspects of, of the plot, and it just comes together now, finally, for this big finale. But the finale's not here yet, so it, like, like Brandon said, it was definitely a setup issue for the finale. 
That's the penultimate, though. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I was excited for it, and I'm still excited for issue six. But it it was not much to be desired afterwards. It was basically just set up for the end. Like now the characters are here and they're gonna talk. Yep, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, but I I am interested, but also annoyed that Roy always making the sacrifice play any chance he gets just just leave him alive please <laughs> but I, I gave this an 8.25 I still really enjoyed it I'm very still very curious to see where they go yeah I'm uh, I'm on the opposite side of the fence I actually I really enjoyed this one more so than the last one which I felt was kind of uh, I felt like that was the, the issue where we're trying to get things in place to the point where they converge um yeah, I th- and I think you're right too. I th- I think um, I think we just got it all kind of squished together in this issue. All of those things that last issue was lining up. That's that's what. Well, what I, I, meant I felt by like that. everything that you thought the la- this issue was doing kind of happened in the last issue. I felt like this issue was kind of better, where it's like, okay, now I see why they're converging. Now I understand where the big conclusion is going to go. And now yeah. I'm excited to see you know what the justice incarnate is going to tackle next in their uh in their own mini series i think that's kind of why it worked more so for me and um everyone kind of has their own great moments president superman the justice incarnate roy in particular always like rob said trying to um make the sacrifice play but but i mean that's being a hero i guess trying to do the right thing no matter what the cost so Um, I, I came away from it feeling pretty satisfied and, and decently excited for, I guess, next week's conclusion. I didn't realize it was going to be that quick. But, um, uh, yeah, all, all in all, I, I ended up giving this one an 8.5. I, was, I, just, I came away. I was really satisfied with it. Cool. I hope it, I hope it lands really good next week, man, because it's a hell of a story, and it's been done really well so far. Like, I'm not even really panning on this one too much. There's a lot to do, though. There's a lot to do with one issue left. I feel like that anyway, you know? Yeah, well, I I, kind of knew going into this it wasn't going to be a clean resolution. One, because, you know, they have the miniseries coming, obviously. But two, because uh, Josh Williamson has talked pretty extensively about it being, you know, a multi-part story. So if this is only Act 1, there's... There's no oh, way. Yeah, that's right. A, a yeah, he said it was going to be so. three three acts, didn't he? That's yeah, right. So, my guess is whatever uh, follows Justice Incarnate is, is, if not the end, close to the end. So, um, I, I that's why I'm kind of like you know I I, <clears throat> I know it's not going to end or be the end, but I, I'm more interested to see what it could set up and how it does that. So far, it hasn't let me down too much. Really, just uh, like it's the last issue where it kind of lost me. But yeah, on yeah. the whole, still pretty satisfied with it. So, like I said, gave it an eight point five, and uh, feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, I don't feel let down by it either. It's been pretty solid and far better than I was expecting out of Joshua Williams. And no offense, um, for such a world-spanning title. Hell, it's even more than world-spanning. But yeah, I'll yeah. give it to him. Cool. All right. Should we move on to the next one? Sounds good. All right. Next up, we have our Batman Superman 2021 annual number one. That's not confusing at all. <laughs> uh, take it away. 
be weird if there was a 2021 annual number two with it yeah. ending in a month. I, so. I never, I never understand their <laughs> mentality of these things. It's yeah. like you go back to you know a comic shop or, or you know a little long box, and it's like annual 1989, annual 1996, annual 2000. It's like what is this? <laughs> right. If you don't have a context for the year, you're confused. Absolutely. <laughs> well, data side, this one is from writer Jean Luen Yang with art by Francesco Francavilla, who did the Superman half of this book, and art by Paul Pelletier on the Batman half of this book, with inks by Mick Gray and colors by Hi-Fi, both on the Batman half. Letters across the whole shebang from ALW's Troy Pateri. This is a literally double-sized issue. It is two comic books stapled together into one but they combine in the middle it's one of those classic flip book issues that everybody seems to love i don't know actually they, i love them i don't know oh yeah. yeah they're they're fun anyway so the worlds of tomorrow and the nights are plagued by new threats their respective heroes cannot handle alone so superman swaps places with batman and robin Superman arrives in Gotham City to talk with Commissioner Gordon and Alfred Pennyworth. They tell him about how Lex Luthor has taken over Metropolis and they need his help to take it back. Superman arrives in Metropolis and finds a very different city from his own, and it's also glowing purple. After being held back by various villains controlled by Lex, Superman makes his way to Lex himself and finds an omni-battery that houses a man who then knocks Superman out with one punch. Superman falls but is saved by Spider-Lady, who brings him back to her lair to meet the Resistance. There he meets Rudy Jones's family, the man inside the Omnibattery. Together they go to fight Lex with Rudy's family, trying to bring him back. They that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds like an indie comic. The man inside the Omnibattery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a title. <laughs> or, like, something classic 40s. Yeah. There you go. They all succeed as Rudy helps in the fight as well. Before he leaves, Superman admits to Spider-Lady that he was hoping to see her again and wants her to come with him. She agrees, and they go to the brand new Fortress of the Night, a building outside of, I guess, time and space, or at least the two worlds where they bridge, that Superman and Batman have connected, where they can meet and discuss adventures. There, Superman gets an alert from a signal watch Batman gave him. Batman needs assistance. And over in the world tomorrow, Batman and Robin meet up with Commissioner Gordon, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen. They tell the duo that Bizarro Two-Face, this world's Bruce Wayne, has escaped prison and they need his help to track him. Batman already knows where to start, as the following Sunday is Father's Day. Undercover as matches Malone, he finds Martha Wayne safe as Robin finds Bruce. Bruce being as big and bulky as he is, Robin can't hold him back, and they crash into Arkham to find Martha. Bruce grabs her and jumps away. The duo give chase and almost plan to track her, but the police get in the way of their chase and begin to fire on Bruce, which causes him to use fire breath and blow up a police car. Batman now <laughs> stuck with no leads, they travel to Wayne Manor to find a clue, but instead find Alfred Pennyworth. Alfred reveals Bruce hasn't been the same since that night, and Batman knows exactly what to do next. Bruce's weakness is indecision, so Batman asks to borrow a coin. Let's face it, he's never giving that back. Nope. And the duo head to Crime Alley. There they find Bruce and Martha. Bruce wants to undo what happened that fateful night, but is unsure if it means killing his mother or saving her. 
Batman comes down from the roof and offers him the choice and a coin flip. Axe on one side, clean on the other. Axe is death, clean is safe. Bruce agrees and flips to an axe, but this choice is changed by his bizarro side, who speaks in opposites. The coin was actually axe on both sides, so Bruce would always save his mother. After taking the pair back to prison, Batman and Robin return to Wayne Manor to enter a portal back to the brand new Fortress of the Night, but are met by Alfred, who reveals a new drug that turns him into a doomsday. They run through the portal as Batman calls in Superman, who flies through and knocks down Doomsday Alfred with one punch. Now safe on all sides, Superman and Spider-Lady get some alone time as Batman and Robin admire the statue of Bruce's parents that Superman gifted him. This was a big issue. <laughs> I, I love this world, but I'm ready to see more of it. I, I feel like the worlds of tomorrow and the worlds of the nights are kind of done now. It's still very interesting stories and very interesting versions of the characters that they could do a lot with but you've teased us with so many other worlds during the main story I want to see other worlds I want to see what else we can get uh, yeah hopefully we'll get uh, something out of the Shazam world tease yeah that would be a very good tease I don't know guys I like the creative team I do they're great I, I just I got bored with this. Frank Avia is uh, an amazing artist. Paltier is good. Yang is good and up and coming. But it's I feel like this whole auteur.io deal has gone on way too long, and it would be fine if I never saw him again. It just got really boring and long and drawn out. I I gave this one a six point five out of ten, man. Sorry, I gave it an eight myself. I, yeah. I you guys enjoyed though. it a lot more than I did. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I gave it an eight point two five out of ten. It's just a really strong coda and uh, pretty enjoyable, I would say. It, I can't, I can't argue with you that it is pretty strong as long as it's something that you're into. For me, it just, I, I guess I, I, it just wasn't my flavor, you know. So I, I was. I was never pulled into it, so this wasn't the. This wasn't a big deal for me as far as like a climax to the story or or culmination or of anything. It just wasn't there for me. Yeah, if you're not totally invested into it, it's, it's probably not going to be much for you. Nope. What about you, Brandon? What did you said? You gave it an eight point two five. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, like I said, it was just a, a really satisfying coda, um, and uh, I thought it was a clever artistic move to have the two um, artists that are generally more associated with uh, Frank Avia, someone who's definitely more associated with you know, dark, moody, noir, mystery-type stories, and uh, Pelletier definitely does the big, um, bright heroics, and so have them twist, you know, in, in story themes was, was very clever, I thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I, thought, I thought it was well done overall. And uh, yeah. still kind of sad we only have one, one issue left, but uh, I guess that's just how it is. Yeah. That's how it is. The, the concept, I thought, was great. It was just the whole storyline with the android filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get it. All right, next up we have Wonder Girl number three. Yes, we do. 
it feels like it has been so long since the last time we covered this since it yeah. came out. Was there some kind of delay or am I mistaken? There was about a month delay. Alright, okay. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't losing my mind here. Yeah. Anyway, written by Joel Jones with art from Joel Jones, Adriana Melo, and Jordi Belair, and a cover from Jonesson Belair with lettering from Clayton Cowles. We are right back where we left off. Uh, where Yara and her man are catching their breath uh, and kissing a little bit. That's after the whole deal at the end of the dock in the last issue. That's when Eros finds fires an arrow at Yara, but misses and hits a tree. Then gets chased by a really cool-looking black lightning dragon. I don't know another way to describe it. Really cool-looking black lightning dragon, though. Yara and her dude follow into the forest and find a black lightning tree, humanoid wolves, and a talking crocodile. They want to have a conversation with Yara. I probably wouldn't want to stick around to talk to a crocodile either. Yeah. Um, I might talk to somebody about medication. Uh, but <laughs> but um, that's where that leaves off, and we start realizing we're going to flip back and forth through some stories in this issue. So meanwhile, on Themyscira, Artemis and Cassie Sands have apparently never met each other before, and I'm not sure that that's entirely accurate, but Omniverse. And Cassie kind of annoys the hell out of Ar- Artemis. However, it seems like a lot of people are looking for Yara Floor, not just Artemis, not just Cassie, but Cassie says that she's the only one who knows where she is. Uh-huh. So back with Yara, who is getting yanked in a bunch of different directions, the spirit of the lands, which is the crocodiles, the wolves, etc., demand that she stays to protect the land. Her boyfriend wants her to stay with him. And Arrows shows back up with another arrow, walks up, plunges it into her stomach, and says, I never miss. Well, taking two shots doesn't mean you didn't miss, dude. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) everyone asks her to stay, but she goes with Arrows. With Artemis again, who starts laying out some ground rules on how the two of them will work together. Uh, Basically, Cassie won't talk or touch anything, and when they find Yara, they will immediately become enemies. Cassie gets tired of listening about halfway through, takes off on her own, and gets attacked by a female warrior. Back with Yara, where finally Eros has taken Yara to Mount Olympus. And after some funny banter about changing Yara's clothes, he takes her to meet Hera. And on the last page, Hera lets her know that she has great plans for her. The art is so gorgeous. I love every issue of it, and I think that this may be the best one yet. It, granted, it's not very men in, so many in, but it, it has increasingly gotten better with all three issues, and that's pretty good, man. Uh, it's absolutely stunning. The story's interesting, and we have yet another female warrior from some unknown tribe. I'm sure people are going to bitch about that, but I think that's ridiculous. There's nothing wrong with fleshing out Wonder Woman's story. Uh, you know, in her world. I think it's cool that it's getting all expanded. What does Hera have planned? And what is going to happen to Cassie? Does she die trying to save Yara from Artemis? How does how does Yara become Wonder Girl? Or yeah, maybe Wonder Girl. Well, well, I mean, yeah, maybe there could be two like like the Batgirls, but or did Robin we and Robin? Well, yeah, but did we did we see did we see Cassie in Future State? 
I don't I, think so. I don't yeah, think we did either. There were there were a lot of characters that we didn't see in Future State, mostly because the whole line is kind of truncated. That's true. Um, yeah. Just with the aftermath of all the shakeup at DC, so um, we didn't see Damien. There was a lot of uh, of other characters we didn't see in the Batverse. Um, yeah, that was something we hammered on a lot. Was that we never saw Damien. In- yeah, we we didn't see. Um, you know, Levi Kamei, the new Swamp Thing. Somehow it was just Alec Holland. So, it, again, it's it's hard to treat that one as fact um, where we can make any kind of definitive uh, calls as to, as to who lives and who dies. I think they're just probably going to go with the dual Wonder Girls route, um, assuming she starts calling herself Wonder Girl at some point. I guess we'll see. But, yeah, that's my theory anyway. I mean, you might be onto something there. I, I just, I don't see. This this sounds funny. Um, after just saying that, I I love the idea of expanding Wonder Woman's universe, but I just I don't see a place for Cassie in it. I mean, she's yeah, I an. Think un- you, I think she, you can do it <laughs> if you can have two Batgirls, two Robins, seven Green Lanterns, three Flashes. <laughs> well, I I get it. I, I get that and I'm not opposed to it in any way. Don't take don't take that wrong. I'm not saying that, but uh what I am saying is that that um character-wise, we've got brash, untrained Yara and then kind of positive, goofy, untrained Cassie and I mean, once they line up, obviously there's going to be a story there. I just I don't see how it ends positively for Cassie. Hopefully I'm wrong because I don't have a problem for, with Cassie, but I think story-wise it kind of leads to her demise. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was not getting that vibe at all. But Well, not yet. That's just me, you know, looking ahead and and hopefully being more not a robot psychic. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> well, hopefully not this time, yeah. but <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that one, man. That that they're setting her up for a fall. Maybe I really hope not, though. Yeah. yeah. If anything, they probably just graduate her to a to a new role, like uh, like no, Donna. That would be fine. I would be totally okay with that. Move her on yeah. to Themyscira or someplace else. Yeah, yeah, and, and hopefully have a, a new title where you can kind of go off and do your own thing. So. She can kind of have that independence, like like Donna Troy has right now. I suppose that would work. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I guess we should probably start speeding through these a little bit. You said you got a hard out at six o'clock. So, yeah, so um, when yeah, we move no, on yeah. to fear state, uh, well, we, did you give your reviews? I mean, did you give your scores? Oh, I think I did. 8.75 out of 10 for wonder girl. I loved it, man. And it continues to get better. Yeah. I also loved it. It was an 8.5 for me. I was kind of bored, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, Joel Jones is an incredible artist in each scene. She draws wonderful. Um, Adriana Mello is a talented artist, but yes. not quite at the caliber of Joel Jones. No. The story, I think just <laughs> because it was broken up by about two months, just really kind of made it suffer for me and I just was not as interested as I was for the first two so this one got a 6 out of 10 for me whoa 
I was yeah. not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, was, it, just, it just wasn't there for me. You almost made me spit out my wine. Holy shit, Brandon. Wow. Six out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I thought no, the art was still pretty good, man. No, the art's amazing. And uh, and honestly, that's why it got the six out of ten. It <laughs> was not there for me. All right. Fair enough. All right. All right. Uh, what's up next? Batman through State Alpha. Holy shit, man. That cover yeah. by Ben Oliver is so cool. Very yeah. Good. Wait, give me one second, guys. Just gonna get the right creators. I know I know who they are, but I gotta give credit to everyone. There's currently a conversation going on in our MCU podcast right now about the importance of Marvel characters and Canada. And um, the only two, the only two imports there, excuse me, exports from Canada that I 100% could thoroughly stand behind are Ryan Reynolds and Poutine's. Uh, really? <laughs> Chip Zdarsky or Jeff oh, Lemire? I uh, wait, oh, 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 shit. I didn't realize they were from Canada. My bad. Are you serious? There's, there's like, yeah. Oh, my God. A lot of comic creators are from Canada. Like, yeah, hey, man. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even... It's like a freaking conspiracy, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, you know how there's... office in Toronto. There's well, so, you know, you know how there was the, the British invasion in the 1980s of all these comic writers and artists? Yeah kind of the precursor to some of the vertigo stuff yeah like i feel like the 2010s were like a like a canadian invasion because there are <laughs> there are an obscene amount of writers and artists that you look at them and you're like oh they're cool and then you go to their bios or wikipedia page and you're like oh, they're from canada the hell <laughs> right because <laughs> i mean some of them it's pretty well ingrained like you know jeff lemire would talk about like essex county a lot so i was like okay he's from canada obviously but like, um, I was trying to think. Like the other day, there's other Exus counties, isn't there? I thought there yeah, was one in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I just I think I I knew that Essex County was being in Canada, um, just because I I know a couple people from Essex. So I was like, okay, completely I, I overlooked all of this. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean, probably some of your favorite writers and artists you you, you know pretty well are, are from somewhere in Canada. Damn, I can't believe I insulted like Zadarsky and Lemire. Whoa, what are you saying about Canada? <laughs> Rob, them's it's way, too, it's way too cold, man. It's way too cold and people are too nice. Rob's going to get his maple leaf covered boxing glove. <laughs> He's too nice for yeah, that. It's, it's covered in maple leaf so it doesn't actually hurt because we're showing where we punch you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, um, you mentioned Vertigo, and while this doesn't exactly fit that real quick, I just wanted to throw this out there. I started; I haven't read all of it, but I started uh, reading into um, Batman: The Max Arkham Dreams from Sam Keith. And I don't know, did you guys ever read The Max from way back in the day? I was not alive, but I know of them. <laughs> okay, I was not alive. That makes me feel so old. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been 20 years, I guess. So, yeah, okay. All right, Brandon, that makes sense. <laughs> but um yeah, it's it, it it's it's really good. As long as you as long as you enjoy Sam Keith's artwork, uh you'll probably enjoy this book. Uh, just throwing that one out there. I I loved the Max cartoon when I was a kid, though I probably should not have been watching it. 
No, probably but not. I'm not a fan of Sam Keats' work. I appreciate it, it, but it's just too jarring for me sometimes. Yeah, it. This is as close to abstract art as I can appreciate in a comic book. Mm-hmm. As far as far as that kind of art would go, I'd call yeah. this abstract, anyways. But anyway, far enough of a tangent off topic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll send. I'll send you like a list after we finish recording um, of just all the Canadians <laughs> I need to stop Canadian insulting. Canadian comic creators, um, but like. I mean, some of the ones that are probably more obvious, like John Byrne, um, but like ones that, like, I was like, really? Seriously? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, not, in like, not in like a, why are you from there? It's just like surprising, like Stuart Eminem is from Canada. I was like, are you serious? Really? Yeah, there's some, some of the surprise even me. Because yeah. normally you can tell by like the name. Like, I, I guess, That's a yeah. very Canadian name, but like some are just what? Yeah, it just I guess it just like surprised me, but yeah, it was like, you know, like some some of my favorite art. I, I, I feel like when I say that, I'm like, I'm somehow insulted by the fact that they're from there, but I'm not, not at all. Just I think it just kind of caught me off guard. Um, anyway, engine over. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Batman Fear State Alpha is brought to us by Game Ten the Fourth with art from Ricardo Federici, colors from Chris Sotomayor, and letters from. Clayton Cowles. Uh, this book largely serves as a recap and uh, segue into the Fear State event that will be that will be debuting throughout the next months, leading into the end of James Tynan's run, and largely sets up the stage for the various players in Gotham and several books. We see the origins of <clears throat> we see the origins of. Scarecrow's team up with the Simon Saint with Simon Saint with uh, the uh, Simon Saint the Simon Saint (laughs) Simon Saint as they plan uh, the so-called Fear State a thesis that uh, Crane Doctor Crane proposed some time ago. Meanwhile, Crane is moving his pieces into place, trying to set things up, while Simon Saint is hoping to control some of the chaos while also holding on to Fear State Initiative. Montoya is being blocked out by the mayor's office and is feeling some of the frustration with having to serve the orders while Barbara Gordon and the other Batgirls are dealing with the emergence of a new villain known as the Anti-Oracle who is spreading fake news claiming that the Batman himself is dead. Meanwhile, in a strange forest deep under Gotham, only known as Eden, Harley Quinn, the gardener, and her new friend, Miracle Molly, are all working together to identify Queen Ivy in the hopes that she will be able to help in this new fear state. But unfortunately, she is not, as she is the only fractured, as she is only the fractured version of the original Ivy, as we find the other one still hiding out in Alleytown with Catwoman, who is hoping to put some plans in motion and hopefully take out that strange saucer in the sky. They need a protector as well, and that protector is none other than Jace Fox, as we get a clever little nod to that. All the while Batman is going through some ex- all the while Batman is going through some excruciating terror torture. That's the only thing I could call it. Right. <laughs> Dr. Crane, who is informing him that the fear state is now only begun and that the chaos will soon commence. 
had to give it a little dramatic read there. <laughs> that man is able to escape through a window, but is still intoxicated with some fear toxins. And even though it seems like he may have the upper hand at the moment, Crane informs him that there is no way to turn things back. The only way forward is through. Uh, I thought this was a, a pretty cool setup, but I do have to admit a lot of this stuff just kind of felt like Things that we already knew from the cowardly lot that are being kind of re uh, reinforced here. Um, I think it was things things that were alluded to that were just being told. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I so feel it's like, like it's the exact same thing that happened in Infinite Frontier. Exactly, and and it's like um, that's not necessarily bad, but. If you have been reading the Cowardly Lot, it's kind of like, but I already know all this stuff. Yeah, that's really do. Did we um, know for sure that Simon Saint caused A Day? I mean, I know we all were pretty much assuming that, but did we yeah. know that for certain? Pretty much. I mean, he, he wasn't exactly being super, you know, um, I don't know, cagey about it or anything. No, he was, he was definitely, yeah, he was definitely. Alluding to the fact that he was doing anything to get to his, his fear state. So, it, it, yeah, it I think it worked as a setup. It just felt a little bit redundant if you were well aware of a lot of the stuff in The Cowardly Lot. So I'll, I'll give you I, that. Yeah, I, I ended up giving this one an 8 out of 10. I think it was largely carried by Federici. Um, I think mm. he did a really great job on the art in this issue. And is, is a phenomenal artist, but... This felt more of like a, if you didn't read the cowardly lot, this is for you. And also, we're setting up the story. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I uh, I wasn't sure about the Simon Saint thing, whether or not it was for sure. But uh, there were a couple of things that I enjoyed coming out of this. One was the anti oracle. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of following uh, uh, just. Ken on Twitter and Tom Taylor. Uh, we know that in the next three issues of Nightwing, Babs is suiting back up to take on the Anti Oracle. Um, another cool thing that I thought was going on here was Ghost, Ghostmaker pointing out that Ivy has the ability to calm the entire city down with her with her pheromones, but she's never done that, and she refuses to this time. Um, I never considered that before, but it does make perfect sense. Mm. And the close-ups of Queen Ivy's face looks so perfect. I mean, wickedly beautiful. Really, the only critique that I had for this book was that I'm not a was that I'm not a fan of the last page. The both the artwork and the dialogue seemed kind of inadequate compared to the rest of the book. Uh, I wanna. I'm gonna give it an eight point seven five out of ten. I I really did like it. That last page just was not there for me. Like artistically, or well, I mean artistically, I didn't like the. Somebody's got a pretty big echo in their headphones, but uh, uh-huh. artistically, I uh, I enjoyed the entire issue. I did not like the way Batman was drawn on that last page. And the dialogue just seemed really weak. It was like, 
mm-hmm. last second, just throw some shit in there kind of stuff to set up what's coming. It just, it, you know, there's very little there, but it just, it wasn't impressive to me. Everything else yeah. was amazing though. So solid 8.75 out of 10 for me. Solid. Yeah, I, I, yeah, sorry. No. Uh, <laughs> we refuse um, to forgive you. No. <laughs> Canadian oh. has no idea how to handle that. Expelled. <laughs> what do you mean to refuse? <laughs> I don't I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a good sport, Rob. <laughs> I try. Um, so we're, okay, so I, I was really excited about this. I, I was blown away. It, did have moments where it was kind of downplayed, I think, a bit. But how I was looking at it with every new scene was a different book being connected. And now you're seeing where all these different threads and, and side books are coming up. Yeah. And I, I definitely see what you guys are getting at with most of it was in the Cowardly Lot. But I think there was a lot like the whole Poison Ivy side story with Catwoman. Obviously, that's all Ram V. And then there's the stuff with the anti oracle. That's all going to be in Nightwing, so it's more world building stuff for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's that's where the alpha comes into it. This is yeah, that that was definitely more of the setup. But yeah. yeah, I think I just kind of a lot of the background stuff was like, ah, uh, yes, I, I do remember that from yeah. the book that I just spent six months reading. Yeah, I I think it was it, for me at least. It was nice to see it all just come together into one. Because you were watching it happen, but I was waiting, like, when are we going to, like, is it actually going to connect? Like, what's happening here? Because mm. you had Poison Ivy showing up in three different books, and Harley Quinn showing up in four, and none of them were ever connecting. So, I'm happy at least that story's connecting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do prefer the art in the main book, but I think this art definitely had its moments. I can agree with the last page, the art was a little lacking, and I think for a cliffhanger scene... I, I was expecting something maybe a bit bigger, but I, I really enjoyed this one. This was a 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah, definitely. That last page does not achieve cliffhanger status. No. It's more yeah, like, I think, so this. Yeah, I, I feel like it could have... Uh, I, I didn't have a huge problem with it, but I think, at least for dramatic effect, it probably could have benefited from just having a, a full splash page of you know, Batman frantically leaping out of the window it's like to be continued like whoa holy crap he's really booking it um but yeah i don't know i uh i i do like i i think federici did a great job but yeah. i i think I, I think gotham may not be the best place for him i'll give um, you that for sure because like I just feel like he would be better suited in an, a more epic land. Like I know, I know, Josh, you're not a Marvel guy, but Rob, I'm assuming you read Secret Wars. Uh, which one? The uh, Jonathan Hickman Secret Wars. Yes, yes, yeah, I did. yeah. So you know the art in that book from Asad Rivich. I I don't know if I checked that out. I just did the main story. Yeah, no, no. I mean that that is the like he does the art for the main story. Oh, I thought you were saying a separate art book. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. No. So I feel like his art would be better suited for a book like that. I can something big. Definitely see that. Yeah. It and I, 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 I mostly say that because he did a book with um, Philip Kennedy Johnson called The Last God that was basically that except 
you know, more medieval in setting. But yeah, Last God was kick ass, by the way. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't read that yet, but I, I you know, every time an issue came out, I would flip through it in my LCS. And like, I should really read it one of these days. Yep, but, I, I read it off air, and I, I enjoyed every second of it, man. It was really yeah, good. So I feel like that more of like the epic, you know, big landscape, giant, uh, maybe more fantastical setting or something like that. He'd be great for an event book, but I don't know if the, uh, I guess this is technically an event, but I, I don't know if the, the uh, Gotham Street level event is the best place. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now, back to our program. Let's move on to our next issue for this week, Midnighter Annual Number 1. Or I guess Midnighter Annual 2021 <laughs> Number 1. Or Midnighter 2021 Annual Number 1. I don't know. You figure it out. Midnighter Annual 2021 Number 1, Chapter 7. Yes. <laughs> chapter Part 5. <laughs> Part 5. Point 2. The Awakening. Yeah. Okay, so I will try and cover this as best I can. I, I wrote it all down, and I had a three-act blowout and because there's so much content in this one i shaved this down twice and i think i've got it to a good level <laughs> so <laughs> this is from writer becky clunan and michael w conrad with art by michael avon oming the colors by tacky soma and letters from dave sharp midnighter and mr miracle are blown away by apollo's arrival after a back and forth between apollo and midnighter about trust and secrets Apollo decides Midnighter has this covered and stops attacking the army of genetically enhanced soldiers. Eventually, Mr. Miracle convinces Apollo to help, and he does just that by blasting the army away with a sun-powered filled clap. The trio escape through a door just before Trojan blows up the compound, and back at Apollo and Midnighter's flat, Lucas tells all except the fact that he's sharing a head with future Trojan. They then go to take down present Trojan. They arrive at Trojan's mansion discussing the plan of attack. Midnighter explains they have to do the unexpected, so naturally they walk right up to the door and knock. Unfortunately, Trojan expected that and had dinner ready for them. Before they get too deep into conversation, Midnighter pulls out a gun and shoots Trojan in the head. Too late, though, it seems, as his mind has been uploaded already. Trojan responds with a boom tube created from a copy of Miracle's mother box, and takes them all to the present Midnighter, who is unconscious and locked up in some weird bubble. Like the one from that movie, I just can't remember the title. You know that one that Simpsons had a parody of? And Okay, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it's like, which one are you talking about? <laughs> With the uh, Simpsons did when Treehouse of Horror, maybe it wasn't even Treehouse, and, and Homer went to that island uh, and he had to escape, but he got sucked into a bubble doesn't matter we'll, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll look it up later anyway yeah. <laughs> uh robots come flying in to attack but are taken down swiftly midnighter tackles trojan down and stabs him but is ineffective present midnighter wakes up and apollo asks miracle to save him while he deals with the robots miracle saves him just as time as trojan's head mad scientist activates a deadly gas in midnighter's prison bubble Future Midnighter is now choking the life out of present Trojan, but future Trojan plays his trump card and knocks Midnighter out. Now inside Midnighter's head, he and both future and present Trojans are stuck. Future Trojan brought Midnighter in here so they could chat about how things have changed. 
Midnighter shows that he is in control here and begins filling the room with water to take everyone out. Trojan lets him go, and he wakes up to find Apollo, Miracle, and his younger self. Satisfied that the day is won and the future is safe, he tells his allies that he will return to the future. After they leave, Trojan speaks up again, content that his plan worked. Midnighter reveals a secret plan. He packed a crap load of C4, and with a laugh, he blows himself and the mansion up. In the distance, the mad scientist drives away with a smile. We see later in a bathroom mirror that he has Trojan's robot skull in his own head, as well as Trojan's consciousness alive and well. And as all great things, it never truly ends, does it? No. Wait, were you talking about Under the Dome? <laughs> Is that it? Possibly. I never okay. actually watched the movie. I just researched it based on that Simpsons episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's either that or, like, I don't know. What's that dome movie with... Holly Shore. Biodome. 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 That's oh, a ter- yeah, I don't think it's a Holly Shore okay. movie. I, don't, I just I, know I'm he's pretty sure it was older than Polly Shore. Older than Polly Shore? I don't know. I gotta look it up. Polly Shore is yeah. pretty old. He's even older than me. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure he was in Biodome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Polly Shore was definitely in Biodome. Yeah. Yeah. And Encino Man, which will <laughs> still always be one of my favorite childhood movies. <laughs> no more wheezing the juice. <laughs> oh man, uh, we we gotta do a whole podcast just talking about movies. That would be great. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Absolutely. So, our next live stream. Yeah. So as for this though, I thought this was a great story, and while I am sad it's not the catalyst for change I thought it would be, I think it's still a must read, especially for fans of Midnight or Apollo. And I still really want more from this creative team. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there too, man. Um, uh, I can't say that it's a good thing that Andres Dojan is going to be here to stay. But um, okay, so now some might not be paying attention to this, but Trojan played a larger part in things outside of Midnight or in Future State, and I it, I think it was called Superman of Metropolis. I believe so. Yeah, yeah but um, he was the one who developed brain cells that mind-controlled the people of Metropolis, which was nanotechnology merged with technology from Brainiac. Um, that's... It, it seems like that, that very well could be where we're headed. And I can't help but wonder, not seeing the kind of character that Trojan is, and assuming that there's going to be a lot of build-up to Jonathan Kent potentially bottling Metropolis, um, what kind of interaction they're going to have. Because I, I like this evil Andres Trojan dude, and I, I think it could be a pretty damn good interesting story if they if they head in that direction. I like the wrap-up for this. I enjoyed the issue, and I'm... The one thing is, is that, you know, love only, but I'm looking forward to seeing someone draw these people in a different style. Um, I guess last but not least, remind me here, do we know who that evil professor dude is? I couldn't remember a name. Cause, I mean, he kind of half-ass looks like a bad Dr. Zavanna. Yeah, yeah I, I had no idea. As I just called him the evil mad scientist. He's, he's just, he's there, he's mad, he's evil, 
and he's yeah. doing some science. That's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> close enough. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know if I gave this score from my internet. 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, yeah it's 8.5 for me as well. This one also got a 7.5 for me. I do like the art. I just, uh, I don't know if it was the best fit for me. Either. Uh, it did kind of take a while to grow on me. I was, I've never been the biggest fan of Oming's art. Yeah. No, and me either. One went, and, and the first backup story is like, eh, but by the second one, I was like, okay. I'm well, kind of digging it. It worked with powers. That was kind of a, a goofy book about yeah. superheroes getting killed. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but but no, I just, yeah, it was a little wonky. Um, wonkier for, for me, at least, here. All right, does that wrap that up? You guys want to head on over to uh, school now? Yeah, let's uh, let's take a little trip over to the Teen Titans Academy. Right, Josh? All right, written by Tim Sheridan with interior art from Rafa Sandoval, Jory Terragana, and Ulysses Ariola, with a cover by Sandoval and Alejandro Sanchez, who I feel I don't get to see enough of anymore, and lettering from Rob Lee. This one is called Summer Break, Appropriately so, it starts out with the TTA class making their way through some woods to get to a place called Beach Pond. The names suffer so much in comic books these days. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this is a place Summer used to come as a kid, and it used to always be full. Investigating that, they go into town, and it seems to be deserted. That is, until they run into a shop owner that Summer used to know as a child. That's when they're surrounded with pitchforks and torches and being told that their kind ain't, a lot, ain't welcome. Uh, the crown disperses for no reason. Their crown, Jesus. The crowd disperses for no reason. And when it's thinned out, they see that Greg the Gorilla is gone. So the rest of them split up in summer. And I can't remember her right now. So her name is the green chick. They decide to follow the... <laughs> <laughs> they decide to follow the townies that were attacking them. They're on their way to this mill. And they disguise themselves with purple ho hoodies. Um, green Chick's entire body is green. The whole thing. She's got two neon Greg's, Greg's, le green legs. <laughs> two neon green legs sticking out at the bottom of her shorts. And they're not long shorts. Not to mention the giant mass of green hair flowing everywhere. But anyway, they meet up with Chupacabra and Stitch, who nearly kiss, and then poof, Stitch makes some costumes for them, but not better ones for the girls. Anyway, <laughs> it turns out that Greg has switched sides. The villagers are under Grodd's control, who happens to be Greg's uncle, if we haven't figured that out yet. So, yep, Greg's a bad guy, and I did not see that coming. I love this stuff. I thought it was pretty good, man. There's so many aspects to TTA that I kind of feel like I can't get bored with it. It's always fun, no matter what story part we're handling. Mm -hmm. The art's really good. And, of course, dude, my favorite thing is Stitch. I'm going to call them DC's take on an overly posi positive stuffed animal Deadpool. Mm -hmm. And I love it. It's so much. Uh I hope Stitch sticks around for a long time. And I hope the title does, too. Uh, I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. Ooh, I, uh, 
I, I can't lie. I was uh, kind of bored with this one. Uh, <laughs> it was boring, and, but uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, it and Promise had everything that should be fun. Like, oh, they're on summer break. It's all these newer students just kind of having fun and relaxing. I think I was with that in the beginning, but I just, yeah, it just kind of lost me towards the end. I just I was I wasn't as invested and I don't know if it's just because they didn't have any of the other more established Titans to bounce off of or anything else. Maybe just watching them go solo wasn't as interesting as I hoped it would be, but Understandable. Uh, yeah, it just uh it, it didn't didn't totally land for me. Um, though I am reminded that Rafa Sandoval is amazing. Uh, yes, every time. Every time I, uh, every time I, I look at this issue, is is incredible. I mean, that splash page of them just like looking over the water is really well done, man. Yeah, uh, really. But yeah, no, it, uh, it it just it didn't. This one, unfortunately, just didn't really get me. So uh, gave it a seven out of ten. Right on. Fair enough. I I thought it was a, a very good story and very nice art i thought it was definitely a, a big change from what we're used to and i'm the only thing i was disappointed about is that this doesn't do a damn thing for red x because that was the one thing i was looking forward to with this issue <laughs> but mm-hmm. i do appreciate that they can show other stories with this book and with all the characters they have it's normally group books like this with such new characters they wouldn't always work but for some reason this one does and i appreciate that and i kind of really like it yeah, I wish this. Who, uh, I'm completely blanking on who's writing it now. <laughs> Tim, Sheridan. Uh, Tim Sheridan. I wish. Yeah. I wish Tim Sheridan would have handled Young Justice. Oh, that would have been good. Because he's he's got a good feel for a young character teen team up. I like I like the way that he writes everybody, and I I, I just think, I mean obviously it's too late to complain about it now, but I think he would have done a good job with it, or at least a better one than what we got. Yeah, I can agree with that. Maybe in the future, one day. We'll see. Hopefully. And yeah. I, I I may be really slow, but I, I didn't connect Greg to Grodd until the very last page. I was like, oh, shit, that makes sense. Because when he said really? I was named after my uncle, I was like, okay, who, who's named Greg? Nobody. His name is Gorilla Greg. Gorilla. I was thinking of the Greg, not he the He says gorilla. his I uncle is... It was just like a, a, a tagline because he's a gorilla and his real name is Greg. What, <laughs> oh, what, <laughs> what does your uncle do, world domination? That it, that didn't throw any throw any clues to you whatsoever. Wow. What what villain is named Greg? <laughs> Remind me not to go to an escape room with you. Nah, I'm just kidding. Hey, I, I uh, yeah, it's probably a good idea not to. <laughs> but my my biggest question out of this now is who the hell is Grodd's sibling? That's a, a very good question. <laughs> to be revealed I mean, in a future issue. That feasibly be hundreds i don't, I don't know like because i know gorillas are very large families so yep. it, it could uh, he could have had who knows how many brothers or sisters yep who knows what the status of gorilla island is right now yeah yeah and yeah chances are somebody from gorilla, it, gorilla is city it, is it island or city are they on an island or a city right well now? city i it's a city that is an island isn't it i, I think no so. i just well i don't know no, I think it's in. Cause I thought it was like in an African country. I wasn't sure. Was, I I just I I thought I was like I had missed some. Oh some no. Okay. All right. They, I, they had all moved to some island or something. <laughs> 
Well, I, maybe not. I guess not. Okay. I don't know. Maybe Gorilla City, my bad. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I got, maybe I just assumed Gorilla City no. was Island Island? No, that's totally valid. I mean, I've been in one of those arcs of Flash that I've seen. Like, I, I just I didn't know. All right. But now I'm curious. I'm, I feel like I'm Brody from Mallrats right now. Did Grodd's oh, sibling have sex with a human? Or was it two uh, gorillas? Like, I, I need to know these things. Gorillas. I mean, Greg doesn't have, like, super human features. He looks like a gorilla. It's yeah. just odd. So, I, yeah. I mean, I, if I had to guess, he's probably just another gorilla. Yeah. It, it, it might be more convincing if he had... Um, you know, like more human features, but he, he, he just he just looks like your standard black gorilla. Yep. Yeah. I just I don't know. Well, I unless I, I yeah unless I missed something. I know. I kind of just always assumed that he was related to Grodd in some way. I mean, yeah. here he is being introduced to TTA, which you know, granted, that's going to be a big title because it's got a lot of people attached to it. And there's well, a gorilla dude in there. Maybe. He's got to be related to Grodd. Mm-hmm. You were saying maybe? Well, I don't know. This is all kind of hearsay, but apparently there was an interview with Tim Sheridan that said TTA may be coming to a close pretty soon. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. Why? I, I don't know. This, this That could totally be hearsay. Totally misinterpreting it, but it, it sounded like if I had to budget a guess, it may be 12. Um, it sounded like it, it may be coming to a, to a close. Well, we do know that I destruction gotta, gotta, is on the horizon. We do know that. And I think we also know that there's a Titan series coming out called Titans Unite here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's an out-of-continuity one. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah. But um, certainly we know that there's destruction going on and we know that there's going to be repercussion of this. We know it's going to be heavily tied to whatever the hell happens in Shazam. So there, there is, there's so much that's up in the air right now that I don't feel like if, if Tim Sheridan, if, if the story, the arc is coming to a close after 12 issues or whatever, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to necessarily go into it thinking that it was canceled more like this is the end of the story. Yeah, you could always. I mean, it could still be, you know, around. They just, um, yeah, it just, it just wouldn't. We wouldn't be reading about it. <laughs> it would just be there in the, in the ether. Or maybe, hopefully, picked up in some other books as they separate. But mm-hmm. I have a feeling we're pushing Brandon up against the wall here, so we no, should that's probably. Okay, I, I actually I have about a half an hour extra. I just I, I told the, the guys that I'm meeting that um I'll just meet them at six thirty because I I figured we might be going over a little bit. All right, I to do that because we're having so much fun. <laughs> that's what we do. Oh, we got a big-ass book left at the end of this one, don't we? That's right, that's right. Yep, our final issue for this week. That is the Aquaman 80th, 100, no, Aquaman 80th anniversary, 100-page Super Spectacular. Am I saying that right? I do I believe no so. Idea. 2021 edition. Ah, yes. Number Part one. Five. Number one. <laughs> Act one of three. <laughs> or, or something like that. Um, I, I have no idea. I, I just that was just so weird. It's like 
and you know what? I totally wouldn't even put it past them to have something that was called like, you know, like, uh, assuming five years from now or something like twenty twenty six special, right? Twenty six spectacular. Uh, their titling and their numbering has always been messed up. And going back and forth strange. between legacy numbers and regular numbers, reboot numbers, and all that crap. It's just been difficult to keep track of. I guess so, but I, I, you just have to wonder, someone who's going to pick this up from a decade from now is like, so is it, is it the first one? Or is it just the first one in 2021? Right. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. Labeling one-shots as number one is stupid. Yeah, it was. It Period. Was like, are, are we? Is there a number two that I should be looking for? Well, hopefully Google will still be around then. Yeah, <laughs> it'll still be around then, right? Uh, there's no getting rid of humans. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's our, our mission statement here. I'm not a robot, but anyway, uh, <laughs> this issue is so big uh, we cannot summarize it all. So. We are just going to rate each story, save for the last two, because they are kind of tie-ins, bigger stuff. Uh, and uh, and yeah, that that'll be it. So um, let's uh, let's get started with that. For our first story, we have Foxtail by Jeff Parker, Doc Shaner, and letters from Rob Lee. Rob, what did you score this one? I gave it an eight point seven five out of ten. Very nice. Um, Wait, are we are we all scoring them, or is it just the person who reviewed it? Eh. I mean, we can sit here and discuss. Yeah, I, I scored everything too, man. Okay. Uh, Fox Tale, Aquaman stops Russians from testing sonic weapons that hurt ocean life. But it's fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this this was a hilarious episode, or ish episode. Hilarious issue. I enjoyed the hell out of it, man. It looked great, and I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. how you open a, an 80th anniversary for sure with a story like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, some, some gorgeous artwork. Uh, definitely. Definitely sold me from the start. Oh, yeah. Mm. All right, let's see. Next up, we have Father's Day, written by Jeff Johns. Pencils from Paul Pelletier, inks from Norm Ratman, and colors from Hi-Fi. This one got an 7.75 out of 10 for me. Uh, I, I it, Go ahead. I, I was... I was bleh, oh, God. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10, uh, mostly because I just had nothing but feels for Jackson. Yeah. For I, I, I don't know. I think it's just I've seen this kind of... Black man is my father. I I don't like having to deal with it. Eh, yeah. Like a million times before, and I was just like, another one? There's three Ooh. sentences that sums this up. Jackson meets Mana annually. They talk, then they fight. Mana's always a robot, not really him. Yeah. yeah. It was a little bit better than average, but mostly because of the art, dude. Seven out of ten. Yeah, it's just like if it was a newer story for Jackson, I would have loved it, much like the new story we get for Jackson at the end of it. But it was just like, uh, Manta, father, I hate you, yada, 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 angst. Okay, we're done. Grr. All right, cool. All right, next up, Lady of the Lake from Michael Morici, Pop Man, Tony Avina, and Wes Abbott. Um. 
I thought this one was pretty decent, man. Aquaman and Garth, who is the original Aqualad, follow a trail of dead fish and find a sorceress who happens to control the Sword of Excalibur, which means she once controlled the other King Arthur. They fight, good guys win, and Garth and Aquaman save each other once. Um, it was good enough. I like the idea of the story. Like all of the art in this book, man, it was done really well. 7.75 out of 10. This one got a 7.5. I think mostly just because Garth was there. Right. <laughs> doing enough of that. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of like kind of generic story. Yeah. Like, there's a problem, and they team up and fix it. All right. <laughs> yep. There's not much more to it than that. Right. I'll be there for you. You'll be there for me. We're a happy family. Oh God. Wait, is, is that a song? I've heard that before. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I know in Canada it was Sharon Lois and Bram. Well, there you go. <laughs> I don't remember the, how the song goes now. Don't ask. No, me. that's no. the, um, oh my God, the, the opening to Friends. Oh, that's I'll be there for you. Uh, okay. I was, thinking, yeah. I was thinking Canadian childhood. Never yeah. Mind. <laughs> like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Wow, how could I? I guess because we're one? such good friends. Oh. oh pivot. Yeah. Pivot. <laughs> My wife has has referred to me. And she, you know, she's a friends aholic man. Uh-huh. She's she's probably seen the entire show no less than a dozen times, and I'm probably oh, way undershooting that. But yeah, apparently I'm a total Chandler. Uh, okay. I, I assume that's a good thing. I don't have the slightest clue, to be honest with you. I mean, I've watched it. It's funny. Um, can't say I, I've only watched it. I've only watched Friends since I've been married to her. And only the one run through, but um, I mean, she hasn't left me yet, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> safe to assume it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, right, Lady in the Lake. Though I gave it a seven point seven five, and it would be a bigger score because I really enjoyed it. If I could see more of this story, because that that's a lot of mythos to include in such a short story. That would be a cool little six issue run there, or maybe even yeah. three. Nah, yeah, I feel like or, or just an annual or something. Yeah, like you know, a bigger story. I think that's, story. that's why it was kind of just a little lackluster where it was just like, all right, show up, done. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Barely an any investigation. Annual 2022, number oh, one. God, please no. <laughs> oh, the... 2022, number one. No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> Another number one, but it's 2022. That makes sense. I feel like the the next story was kind of like the same thing. I feel like it was just there. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. And that is Multitudes from Stephanie Phillips. Uh, yeah, no, that's, I, for some reason I thought that was like, Multitude from Stephanie Phillips, um, Derenick, Nick Velarde, and, and no. No, that's... No. Yeah. Henry Pasetia, colorist is Ulysses Areola, and... and, and yeah, Travis Lanham. Travis Lanham. I'm all mixed up. It happens. You should have saw me a week ago, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this was uh, probably the same score, 7.5. It was just kind of, I mean, I think literally the only thing I know from that era of Arthur's history is that 
he had that suit. Like, I know he had that suit, but I don't know anything else. The, I so, don't. I dude, it took me like I had to Google it because I didn't even remember. And I like Aquaman. I've read a lot of Aquaman, but I didn't remember this at all. So I don't know if I like completely skipped this mini era of Aquaman or what. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess know that it I, was probably I, I think like right before the. Um, long beard, long hair, hand chopped off by piranhas era. Oh yeah, uh, see that would have been right where I jump back on. So that yeah, makes sense. That so. I, I, the only, I guess other than not being familiar with it, really it was the fact that this felt like it was a really small slice of a much bigger story. But but I thought that the art was good, and apparently you know I was right because I missed out on the whole time where this was really a thing. So, in any case, yeah. <laughs> 7.25. Yeah, no, this one got a 7. I feel like without context of that era, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah, it, that's kind of how I felt. Why is, but Why is he wearing exactly. blue? I remember the blue suit. I had no clue what the point was, and I still felt like there's definitely some needed backstory just to understand because even at the beginning, he talks about how he went to some temple with this lady, and he got teleported to the past. And why were they going there? Why? Yeah. Like, who is this guy that he's talking to? And there's a lot of backstory that just you missed out on. So this is a seven point five out of me. Mm. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a great looking story. And and I also can't help but notice when he came back to the present, he literally just swam away and left that lady unconscious. <laughs> Jerk. Next up, it's a family affair uh, from Sean Aldridge, Tom Derenick, and Nick Filardi, and Rob Lee. Uh, it was fun. It was, it was, it was yeah. very cute. Um, that's about it, really. But most of these are just, just you know, short and yep. serviceable. But it was a, that's about it. It was a well drawn, cool little flashbook story, flashback story. I gave it a seven yeah. five. Yeah, that was a seven for me. I I still felt like this one needed maybe a little bit of backstory because I've never heard of Aqua Beast before. And if you if you're new to Aquaman, you're gonna wonder why is there this big hulking <laughs> Aquaman clone? Yeah. Although it's uh, it was at, at least nice to see that those parts of history haven't been forgotten yeah it, it was good to see them all brought back you know much like we saw with green arrow for example but you know obviously it's aquaman he's lesser known and um yeah. i mean i don't know any super huge diehard aquaman fans uh i i think i might be the biggest aquaman fan that i personally know but <laughs> the, the, you know like the the magic suit thing i completely went over my head i i feel like i know of of, of his history but in terms of the actual content itself uh, like uh, arthur's probably one of the members of the jla that i know the absolute least of yeah him and and john i would say i would say you're probably on par with just about everybody <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, that was a, uh, a it's seven point five for me. Just kind of cute, but yep, same. Not, not much else to it. Uh, next, the Rhine Maidens from Marjorie Bennett, Trung Nguyen, and Jordi Belair and Pat Bosu. Brazo. 
he, so. he yells at me. Oh, man. Does he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, this is uh, The Rhine Maidens. It's a well-drawn, cute story about Aquaman resisting a siren's call. Well, a group of sirens call because of his love for Mara. And then freeing them from a curse by smashing this tiny little harp thing. It was well drawn. It was all right. 7.25 out of 10. It was a 7.5 for me. It's a very interesting story, but this whole uh, style of story, and I don't even want to call it an imprint, uh, just not up my alley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, was, I was there too. And I, I think I'm like probably like 85 to 90% certain that it was supposed to tie in with the um, the DC Bombshells book that they were doing, which was like uh, reimagining them in the 40s. I didn't read that book. Um, me either. I, I Zero interest it, in that. It, yeah, well, it's, I mean, it seems like it had a, a, a good audience, so all the power to you. If you did enjoy it, I just, that, that didn't really interest me at all. Nope. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I feel like you need context of that kind of have probably have more appreciation for it. Um, so, yeah, this one was a 7 out of 10 for me. Fair enough. Mm. All right, what's next? Between Two Shores from Caven Scott, Scott Eaton, Norm Ratmond, and Hi-Fi, and Letters from Rob Lee. What you got, Rob? Uh, so- 7.75 for me. I thought it was touching. It was a nice tale. Basically, Aquaman helps out a family that's just like his own, except one of them happens to be a trench. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was a little weird, but also cool. And it looked good, man. Yeah. Worthy of a 7.5. Yeah, that's... that's uh, You guys pretty, pretty much summed it all up. Uh, yeah. 7.5 is kind of solid but i don't know not not much there no i mean that's what these are all i mean that's why anthology books bug the hell out of me because it's just little tiny inconsequential stories and i i think when done well it can be more interesting but um i don't know these ones were just all kind of like itty bitty tiny inconsequential yeah they're, they're all just kind of in the same line does stuff Saves the day. Yep. About it. Like, there's not much there. Let's see. What Remains of a Storm from Dan Waters, Miguel Mendoncha, Danielle Henriquez, Romulo Carter Jr., and Rob Lee. Uh, probably, I would say, my favorite, um, and not even just for the art. I thought it was just a really, really strong and interesting story. Uh, so this one got an 8.5 out of 10. All right. Yeah, this was a 8.75 for me. But this one I thought was also very touching, and I I really hope to see a bigger relationship between these two. Yeah, I, I think anyone who has ever gotten into fights with their brother and just, like, anticipates that kind of thing knows exactly what this story feels like where it's just like oh two storms about to collide 
And even when it's over, you still have remnants of it. I was like, ah, yes, I know how you feel. Yep. Very metaphorical. I too fight with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> he's jealous of my superpowers as well. <laughs> yes, he's jealous of my my kingly status within Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought the story was all right, and I thought it looked really, really good. I got to give it that, so I gave this one a seven seven five out of 7.75 out of 10. Rebellion from Dan Jurgen, Steve Epting, Jeremy Cox, and Rob Lee. Um, I gave this one a seven. Whoops, hit the microphone. I gave this one a seven point two five out of ten. Man, it's uh, what's the name of that place? I forget the island. But the idea of land sea representation of Atlas, uh, Atlantis has always been a cool one for me. The art is all right. The story was a little mediocre, but it it was okay. It sold it to me because of the idea, so it gets a seven and a quarter. Yeah, this one got 7.5, I think probably mostly because of Steve Epting, who's great. Yeah. But the story itself, eh, again, another one that feels like he needed that extra context, because it even mentions, like, this happened in issue 63 through 77. It's like, I haven't read that. I don't know what that means. Right. And who the hell is going to go seek that out if you're not a regular Aquaman fan? Yeah, if you're not a diehard you know, Aquaman stan, it's like, I, that's just meaningless to me. Well, maybe they're assuming that you're not going to buy a $10 anthology <laughs> issue if you're not I an Aquaman so. fan already. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> And yet it said the future, which just piques my interest even more. <laughs> right. Uh, this this was actually an eight point five for me. I, I quite enjoyed it. It was a little hmm. slow to start, but I one hundred percent agree. It needs that backstory. What I do appreciate though is at least they took the effort this time to detail what issues. If you're that interested, to go check it out. Yeah. The last two, if there True was enough. backstory, you never got to know where it came from. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. True enough. You're right yeah. there, man. I'm guessing it's because there was so much context that it's like, oh, we got to throw this in because people are going to be confused as hell. Right. There's a whole panel filled up with just caption boxes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I just love Dan Jurgens. Or Jurgens. Is it Jurgens? I think it's just Jurgens. I, I called him Jurgens when I met him at the Riftcon, so and he didn't correct me, so I'm assuming it's just Jurgens. Yeah, uh, we I went to school with some kids with the last name of Jurgens. Yeah, it's spelled the same way, so I'm gonna yeah. assume that's right. Oh, yeah, hopefully. If we're wrong, Dan, sorry, sorry, pal. Our bad. <laughs> All right, our final two are the setup stories, which will be spinning out into a mini series. In a couple months, very, very exciting. First up, Red Sea, Chuck Brown, Valentin Delandro, Marissa Louise, and Clayton Powers. All right, well, this one we have, and I'll go into a bit more detail with this one since we're going to get more of it. Black Manta is auctioning off some of his goods thanks to his friend Gallus, who I don't know if she's brand new or not. Anxious to get back into the water, he shows her why. He has a mysterious rock with all sorts of languages on it, and they're interrupted by creatures that Manta recognizes as a South African myth called Groot Slang. And he did not think they were real. 
Gallus feels the creatures were drawn to the rock, and together they kill Othergrood Slang. Then Gallus recommends that he throws that rock back in the water before something else comes for it, but Manta reveals he was also drawn to it, and he suits up to intending to find out why. And I am very intrigued by this story. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. That was an 8 out of 10 for me. The art was really nice. I had no idea what to expect from the Black Manta book, but now that I do, I'm very excited. Yeah, my interest is definitely more peaked than it was. So I, yeah. I gave this one an 8-2. I didn't love the art, but it was not bad. Now, normally, I really love the minimalist approach, but it, it did feel a little bit... Um, too minimalistic? Uh, yeah, a little too minimalistic in some places where it's like you can't even... Sometimes you can't even tell if that's a full face. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, see, the, the story was pretty good for me. The setup part, you know, the fact it was... It was done really well. Um, I liked it, but I also I'm just I'm not a huge fan of the art. It's 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 done well enough, but it's just not for me, you know. Uh, it's not terrible. No, I don't want I don't want to say that. It's just unfinished is not the right word. It's just a little bit, like you said, too minimalistic in my place. Yeah, I gave it a seven point seven five, even with the art, because I thought it was an excellent setup. Mm-hmm. And finally, last but certainly not least, Foreshadow, appropriately named, I think, from Ben Thomas, Diego Olechegui, Wade Von Grave Roger, and Adriana Lucas, and Darren Bennett. <coughs> Excuse me. No. Damn you. Uh, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is setting up the new status for Jackson as we. Open on him training with Aquaman, hoping to improve his skills, but frustrated that it's not coming fast enough. A group of mercenaries looking to find some treasures in the island and looking for some sapphires that will lead them to said treasures, hoping to take them from Andy and Jackson. Nearly get the drop on him before he is thankfully saved by Mira, who is absolutely furious and is going hunting after the pirates, to which Arthur says, they may not want to live through that. In fact, they probably won't. Uh, right. Thankfully, Jackson is able to recover without any fatal injuries, but still is frustrated that this could have gone very badly if he had slipped up just a little bit more. Arthur reveals that he wasn't going to. Arthur reveals that he wasn't going to do this earlier, but now might be the right time. And if he's hooking up something with Batman, and asks him if he has ever been to Apocalypse. Uh, fast-paced. Fun, great art, gorgeous color work, really, really solid setup for the miniseries that is to come. Um, I think I'm just happy that we're getting some kind of Aquaman content, um, and it, it feels like a, a, like I said, fun, interesting setup. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm definitely much like the Black Manta, at least intrigued to see where it's going. And uh, I thought uh, Diego's art was was just really, really great. For sure, man. Um, first, let me say, what kind of shit is that? The kid has confidence problems, and your answer is you want to send him to War World? That is not good parenting, dude. Like, not good parenting. That's, like, that's literally like um, like your kid is trying out for middle school baseball, and he sucks. So the parent is like, you know what you should do? We're going to take you to an MLB <laughs> right? spring training practice and get you right. This sounds more like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to duct tape your arms to your sides and put you in front of a pitching machine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, a war world. Such a, I mean, a major step up. Yeesh. <laughs> but um, ultimately, though, man, I felt like this was a really, really well done setup issue. I hope that we do get to see him become more confident, hold some more story, be a stronger character. I do have really high hopes for this because I am a big fan of Aquaman, but being a fan of Aquaman and a realist, I have to recognize the fact that Aquaman books just don't sell. So hopefully, hopefully having Jackson slide into the role will do something about that and we'll still be able to maintain the status quo and maybe, maybe even expand that family a bit. But, uh, just the, with the only exception really being swapping out Jackson for Arthur. And I, th- I think if done right, Jackson could hold his own as Aquaman in a, in a permanent position. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, it probably won't be permanent because you know it's comic. It's always going to remain well, status right. quo. But I think, it, like like you said, it, it could make for an interesting story in the in the present, in the moment, seeing where it might lead, seeing what's going on, and um, thankfully it's it's you know it, it's only six issues. So even if it sells you know crap all, um, at least you got the story. But if it does mm-hmm. well, you know there's a possibility they could do another one. Uh, a follow-up or that sort of thing so it, it has a, a lot riding on it which is um, I think is a good thing fingers crossed because um, I love Jackson I, I am looking forward to seeing Andy as an adult but I really didn't in, enjoy the future state Aquaman series with the confluence and and all of that the cosmic ocean it I I liked it when I was first reading it, but having gone back and read it a couple of times by now, uh, it just it lost its flavor, and I felt like it wasn't really all that great. So I hope that that is one part of Future State that they are definitely not going toward. Yeah, I was I was the opposite. I was hoping that they would bring in the confluence just because I thought it was something unique that you could do um, uh-huh. that wasn't like. Jesus, like the last 10 years of Aquaman. <laughs> he's king, and he's not king, and he is king, and he isn't, and he fights Orm for a little bit, and he's king, and he's not king, and then he fights with the surface world, rinse, cycle, repeat, yeah. over and over and over like a like a laundry machine. Yeah, I, I won't argue there. That's why I'm hoping that regardless of whatever happens, I hope we get better story and stronger character out of a Jackson direction, even if it only lasts for a little while, I suppose. But Yeah, which is, I think, the benefit of having, like you said, a, a newer character like Jackson. He's not necessarily burdened with being the king of Atlantis and not being the king. And right, exactly. That, that it, it, it takes it away from that fail-safe of a story. So when we, when we do get stories, they're not going to just be able to swing back and rely on Old Faithful. All right, I guess that's it. That is it. All right, now that that is done, let's break down our top three books for this week and a standout moment if you have one. But we're going to have to move a little bit quicker because I unfortunately have to depart at 6.30. So, Rob, Josh, what were your top three books this week? So I had, at number three, I had Midnighter. 
I really enjoyed it. I, I think I said enough during that. And number two, I had Wonder Girl. I don't know if I said enough. The, the book was just gorgeous. It was so much good, so much fun to look at and so much fun to read. It had a lot of funny moments. And number one, I had Fear State Alpha. I really enjoyed it, and it's got me super excited for Fear State as an event. Mm-hmm. And honestly, best moment was a toss-up between Roy sacrificing himself because that was such an epic moment, I think. Or just seeing little Princess Andy saying, Jackson. <laughs> I, I actually went, aww, this is so yeah, cute. That was cute, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, well, my favorite, top, or excuse me, my top three. Number three, I got to give to Teen Titans Academy. I enjoyed that. Number two, I gave to Wonder Girl. If you're not reading it, you should be. Even if you're not a Wonder Woman fan, and number one, I gave to Batman Fear State Alpha. Wow. <laughs> that that one is great. And it also has my favorite moment in it. And that has to be the way that they characterized and used his dialogue, uh, Scarecrow, during his meeting with Simon Saint. That was absolutely perfect. That is the Jonathan Crane I want depicted on the page. So I guess just any scene with Aquaman in it um, <laughs> from uh, from the last story from Diego. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did a, a really great job of drawing Yeah, Aquaman. that that was really, really good. You got to give it to him, man. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we have any books for the dump list this week. Uh, well, we Unless do have Harley. Thinking, uh, right, yeah, that is staying on the dump list. Um, yeah. I mean, we'd already kind of gone through that one. But yes, the annual did come out this week. I did not read it. Uh, I, it just, I think I think it wasn't bad. And we will talk. Series, it wasn't bad. And we can talk about it after the show. Mm, after you yeah. read it. Yes. Yeah. All right. All, All right. right. Do you guys smell know. that? Ew. Could it be? It is. It is time for it. The biggest, the biggest thinker. thinker. Oh, that's nasty. So, gentlemen, before we wrap up today, what made your biggest... What made your stink today? Infinite I Frontier. A, yeah, I, I was initially going to go TTA because I, I scored it the same as Infinite Frontier and just certain aspects of Infinite Frontier... Or no, sorry, not Infinite Frontier, sorry. Batman Superman. <laughs> wow, I got distracted. Uh, yeah, I was going to say TTA, but then uh, following up again, thinking about Batman Superman, I was like, eh, no, maybe it is a little bit old. And I enjoyed TTA a bit more. Yeah, I, I, I picked Infinite Frontier. It, it scored well, and I think it tied for last place, but I chose this one because it was a culmination of all the plot points that we already knew were going to be in this. And it ultimately, to me, felt a little haphazard. Like with every single page, I just went, yep, 
Yep. Yep. It was uneventful. It was just just like DC wrote me a note going, yeah, you were right. Uh, so that's my biggest stinker. What about yours, Brandon? Yeah, mine uh, has to go to Wonder Girl this week. Just, Ouch. Just not feeling it. Just, uh, and, and it was a very close one between that and TPA that I think... I don't know. I think that one just won me over a little bit more. Wonder Girl number three was just... I uh, was just painfully bored with it. What do you have against Brazilians, dude? I have nothing against Brazilians. <laughs> All the Brazilians I have met are the funniest people. They are hilarious uh, for some they reason. They are freaking hilarious. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this this one was just not doing it for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And that's the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back next week for more DC Comics Talk. And we will be reviewing Batman 112 Infinite Frontier. Number six. The big finale. Swamp Thing in number seven, Suicide Squad number seven, Suicide Squad Annual 2021, number one, Act One, Part One, Green Lantern 2021 Annual number one, Green Lantern number six, Blue and Gold number two, and Black Manta number one. We'll be here talking comics and we hope you stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. With that, there is only one way to be safe. Bye around here. Until next time. And don't be a robot.